You are listening to the Sweet 929 Podcast Network, only on Spotify. You're listening to Redesign, Rebuild, Reclaim, presented by Sweet 929. All guests appear courtesy of Tech We Like. Chuck Holiday here. My guest today, I don't even know where to start with this. This is a traveling, I, I don't know the word to use here, traveling just everything global. You know, I, I told her on Instagram, she should add global into her name. The instructor, teacher, educator, has dabbled a little bit in events, also a hairstylist, a former hairstylist. Ladies and gentlemen, Jessica Stanton, What's up, hey Chuck? It is good to have you on. <laughs> there is Thank so you. much to talk about here. <laughs> I want to start with the experience in China. Okay. You, you're currently in China. You have been teaching in China for a number of years now. I want to say it's how 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 many years has it been? It's been three, or is it two? And four. Four. I just wow. Hit the four year mark in uh, last week. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Congratulations. Thank you. You are in Chongqing. Have I, did I say that correctly? Close. Very close. It's Chongqing. The Q is like a chi, C-H sound. Chongqing, China. I'm getting my education today, baby. <laughs> <laughs> now, to ask you the experience, that, that's a dumb question. I want to say, after four years, how have you been able to really wake up and adjust mentally knowing that this is home now yeah. and there are certain things that you know you just can't run back to such and such city how has the adjustment been after four years and i don't mean from your first year to your fourth year but now waking up and you're in your fourth year and you know that this is it this is what it is um, until you move mm -hmm. Now it is quite different from when I first got here. When the first two years, I think all the way up to two years, I would wake up sometimes and be like, oh my gosh, I'm in China. Like, how did I get here? I really live in China. But now that that never happens. It's just, it, this is normal for me. And it's almost like, I think about when I leave here, how different that's gonna be and how I'm gonna feel just different like it's gonna be weird to me to not be in China one day and that thought is kind of like wow like I really adjusted completely to this place and that's just that's what it is I'm I really live in China <laughs> isn't that crazy that you're from America you know you've lived the majority of your life in America but now to have been in Colombia and to be in China and then to now look at the the daunting task that if you do return to America, you're essentially a tourist. Yeah, I, I will really be, I will be more foreign. I will be a foreigner in America, basically. I will be. After four years living on this side of the earth where everything is so different, I will be a foreigner when I return to America. Like I think about how I'm gonna have to get with my friends and like reacclimate. I've already experienced reverse culture shock when I moved back from Colombia to the States for about eight months. And the first two months of that was like, this is so weird. Like I heard about reverse culture shock, but I didn't, experiencing it is something just totally different. Like being used, being getting used to understanding every single conversation going on around me was like one of the big things. Cause living abroad, even though I understood Spanish, 
I wasn't always tuning into what other people were saying, but when it's your native language of English and you can hear every single conversation going on, it really like got to me at first. <laughs> wow. Let's let's go into the Columbia thing. Now, when you left Charlotte, North Carolina, and you mm-hmm. ventured out to Columbia, and you're not originally from Charlotte, we're, we're, we know that already. But when you left Charlotte and you ventured out to Columbia for this new trek, this new endeavor in, I want to say education, correct? Correct. Now, Columbia, I think, is a different type of animal in terms of, I don't know, maybe, maybe you can explain that better than me. The the move to Colombia, I'm, I'm almost assuming, was much harder than your move to China. Oh, it was the opposite. Moving Get to Colombia. Yeah, because Colombia is still in, in the Americas. It's still in the Western part of the world. It's only five hours away from Charlotte. Um, I only had a one hour time difference between East Coast time and where I was living in Medellin. So it wasn't that much of a change. Like Western societies are very similar. And that's something that I wouldn't have known until I experienced what an Eastern society is like. So that wasn't difficult at all. Like I, I think I always knew I was really adaptable. I can adapt to any environment, but until I got out of the US, I didn't know how true that was. So I really adjusted to Colombia like instantly. I was like, oh, this is home. This like, am I, no, (laughs) are you sure? I'm like black, black. Cause I think I might be Colombian. I think I'm I'm, I think I'm Colombian. So (laughs) yeah, it it was instant. Like I fell in love with the country, the culture, everything. I love Colombia so much. And it was very obvious in your Instagram, the destination, by the way, it was very obvious in your Instagram that you had a lot of fun in, in, in Colombia. I, I saw a lot of the clips just to be able to see the, the photos, the videos, dancing and just the culture. I mean, I, I think all of us were living through you in Colombia. You look <laughs> like you were having the time of your life that ended. You returned to Charlotte and kind of, I, I think I actually saw you a couple of times those door my dark years. And then you prepared for this next venture. Was this right. planned? Did you intend to leave out of the Americas again? Was this actually planned or was this something that really came and then you said, hey, the time in Colombia was cool. Let me try it somewhere else. So if it were up to me, if money wasn't an object, I would have stayed in Colombia. I would have stayed there and that would have been my home base and I would have continued to travel wherever. But as a teacher there, I was living on a stipend of 500 US dollars a month, which in pesos was like 1.5 million pesos, which is a decent living wage, but it was not realistic for someone in their 30s who was trying to save money, trying to get into investing, trying to build for the future, but also still have fun and be young and travel. Like that just wasn't gonna work. I looked into um, maybe I could teach online to supplement my income, other types of like remote work and, and things online, but nothing really came to fruition fast enough. Like a lot of things, a lot of pots were brewing, but they just weren't brewing quick enough. I, I started a, a course and that was like a little bit of money, just wasn't enough fast enough. So that's what prompted me to go back to the U.S. to prepare to come to somewhere else. China was the first place, but I was also looking into other countries in Asia as well, just because the pay is much better for educators. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched that with the sports athletes and wow, it's it's 
crazy to see the pay difference. Going back to Colombia, can you describe a lot of the culture? I, look, looking at your Instagram, again, the destination, looking at the, the, the videos, it was fun. I mean, I'm, I'm living through you. And it was fun. I remember there was a video you were at a you were at a spot. It looks like a restaurant or somewhere like that. You were dancing, and the music was loud. I mean, you looked like you were having the time of your life. You looked like you were just lost in the element, which is, yeah, which is like, something incredible. Take what me can to, I say? Take me to just a lot of the things that maybe Americans would appreciate in Colombia that you were able to appreciate during your time there. I think specifically for Black Americans, and I'm, I'm, a lot of other people have shared this with me as well, is that the diaspora is huge. So when we go there, until you open your mouth, they don't know that you're not Colombian. So that was one big reason why immediately wow. I felt welcome. And it doesn't matter what shade of Black you are, Colombians come in every shade too, for the same reasons that we do. So that's a big part of it, number one. Number two, music. I love music. It's something that's always just been in me. I don't play any instruments. I tried. <laughs> but you know, I'm an auditory person. Music is always playing no matter what. Um, and that culture exists there. Like there's so many types of genres of music I didn't I didn't know about. So I got to learn about that. Um, I know that you went on tour with Onyx many years ago and Onyx actually did really a pulling up, you, you pulling up small stuff here. <laughs> Onyx performed in Medellin at a concert and I had so much fun. They really love 90s hip hop in Medellin, Colombia. Like 90s Americana is just everything there. So yeah, Onyx pulled up and they knew every word. It was wow. like, it was, it was amazing. Like. You, you know, that's the, one thing that, that's the one thing that people don't realize that we are, just to go to these other countries, I got a chance to go to Slovenia when I was a photographer, uh, maybe mid-2000s, I got a chance to go to Slovenia and to Italy, but not the Italy that is the glamorous Italy. This was like the other side of Italy where it was, mm. and to, I, I want to say I party, I think I party somewhere in Slovenia, and Slovenia is different. I'm the only, I'm one of the few black people there. And it was mind boggling how Jay-Z came on and everybody knew the lyrics. It didn't, everybody knew the lyrics. I, it was just, <laughs> you know, there's little things that sometimes music brings you together in so many different ways. And music just really brought everybody together with the lyrics. You just, don't realize how much that is such a universal language yes, um, until you're in front of that. Mm -hmm. That's crazy though about the the music with with you being in Colombia and just how it translates over and things like that. That's crazy. That is. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. I, I mean, again, I saw the videos. I mean, it just looked so culturally just rich, you know? Yeah, and they, they love to share their culture. That's the other thing, like, you want to learn about salsa music? Okay, here's a salsa club. Bachata, which I never heard of before I moved there. Like, that's huge there. I learned all about that, how dance moves are different and all, all of that. And they love to share it, which is something that I really miss being here in Asia because it's not the same at all as far as like- Oh yeah, Romeo Santos is a dude. <laughs> the Columbia thing was a great look. It was, it seemed like a great look. And then you venture back to little old America 
<laughs> well, I mean, yeah. we all know what it is. Little old America. That's what. That's what it is. Yeah. And I Our remember home. seeing you. Huh? Our homeland. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. By default. Mm. And I, I know I ran into you a couple of times over with the No Grease Twins at a couple of their establishments. We did a lot of, lot of community things, a lot of events things, and just to be back, I know that had to have been a, a, a downer. It wasn't though. It wasn't because I never planned to move there to Columbia permanently. In fact, my first contract was for five months. It was never like. I'm moving, moving. It was like, let me try this out. I got this thing, job, <laughs> for five months, <laughs> then I'll be back. Oh, okay, okay. Plan. But then I got there, fell in love, and then I extended it for another five months, and then I ended up like, you know, staying through those vacation periods. So it ended up being a full year there. When I came back, I had already planned to leave again. So it wasn't sad at all. It was a formality one. I had to apply for my visa for China from the United States. You have to apply from your home country. I tried to apply from Colombia. I tried to move from Colombia directly <laughs> to China. <laughs> I did try that, but that wasn't a possibility. So I had fun. Like my that time in the states was supposed to be three months i thought it'll take three months to get all the paperwork done and then i'll i'll go to china that three months turned into eight months because of several reasons paperwork got lost there was a hurricane a lot of stuff happened and it made that time turn into eight months but i still wasn't mad i had to I, of course i had to work i have to like i gotta get a job I, I didn't plan on being here this long but that turned into something I almost didn't come to China. I almost didn't come to China because I was having so much fun bartending. <laughs> oh, bartending and definitely. Bartending seems like it never gets old. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it does some days. Everybody got to quit one day. I mean, you ain't going to be fine forever, but... <laughs> no. <laughs> I was still fine enough then to make good money, and I was having a good time bartending at, um, at strip clubs. So, and then I, I fell back in with my friends, and I was just in a good groove and a good space, and I almost didn't come to China. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a lot. You go from teaching in Columbia, you come back to the States and you're bartending in a strip club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> you are one of a kind, one of a kind. Partying all the time. Yeah, I was having a good time. <laughs> now, you are one of a kind. I, that's all I'll say there. <laughs> Let's go all the way back to your first few months in China because it, four years look you, you get time to adjust but your first couple to few months in China now obviously this is a culture shock this has to be a culture shock now regardless of you living in Colombia you living abroad and you embracing living because that's the thing you embraced living abroad because a lot of people don't embrace it you embraced yeah. living abroad but still living and moving to the East is something of a different animal. And I know mm -hmm. that there had to have been adjustments. I know that it's well chronicled on your social media, these stares. Look, first and foremost, you're a nice looking woman. You. You're a nice looking woman with curves. That is not <laughs> the case in the East. Right. How, those first couple of months, 
I know had to have been something of an eye opener, regardless of whether you plan this trip or not. Because it's one thing to read about it, study on it. It's a whole nother thing to drop into this country. And you're saying, whoa, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, upon entry, when you enter and you're working, you're brought by your company. So your company is coddling you a little bit. Someone's going to pick you up from the airport. They're going to deliver you to your hotel. Someone's there. And you're so, like, wide-eyed and everything is just, like, you're not paying attention to all the things that later will get on your nerves. <laughs> so you get, you get in the coming to America treatment, essentially. <laughs> yeah, somewhat, somewhat. Um, I did get my something happened with my flight and I ended up there later than anticipated. They still came and got me and everything, but I guess they have been waiting for a while. So they kind of just delivered me to my hotel and they were like, oh, you need a subway card so you can get to work tomorrow. So we'll walk you to the station and get your card. So they did that and then they were like, okay, you know how to get back to the hotel, right? No, not really. I wasn't paying attention <laughs> because I just got off a flight that I've been on for 16 hours. I'm like, no, no, do not just leave me here at this metro station. I don't, what? So that very quickly turned into like chaos and me being like, all right, put my traveler brain back on, even though I'm super jet lagged. I gotta pay attention to where I just came from. I gotta pay attention. Um, the next day, you know, we started work and I was in Beijing, not in my home city of Chongqing yet. Okay. So again, we're being, we're, we're being coddled. You know, we can't speak Chinese. There are, man, the group I came in with is huge. I think there were like 75 people from all over the world, all there to teach English for this company. So, you know, there's safety in numbers. We all felt pretty comfortable because we're all in this together. So the real shock didn't set in for me until I got to Chongqing. So I flew from Beijing, came to Chongqing uh, with one other girl who also was moving here with me from the same company. And a similar thing happened where they put me on a bus. We were looking for apartments and they put me on a bus and they were like, the driver will tell you when to get off. Bye. And I'm like, mm. the driver can't speak English. I can't. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? It was very like that. It was a lot of that and it was really frustrating. Um, I think I cried like so many times the first week I was here. I wanted to come back to the States immediately. I was I was over it very quickly. <laughs> but it's so far away. That's understandable, you know, and especially when you come from happiness and, and I'm not trying to say trying is not happiness, but when you come from a sense of comfort. And then you now go into this where the, the regulations, it's one thing to say that the regulations are different, but the regulations are very strict and stern, I would assume, in the East as opposed to in the West. Whereas in, in the West, you can you, know, you can do something to a police officer and depending on the tone of your skin, you know. You <laughs> I think though here, like, you'd be surprised, like, it's weird, it's kind of difficult to explain, but like there is a sense of freedom here that I feel that I may not feel in the States in that number one, police officers here are useless. <laughs> police don't do anything here. I have so many clips of like, look at the police sleeping, look at the police not doing anything. The police, <laughs> it's so different. The police are not the regulators for anything. It's very, it's very comical. <laughs> You have to worry about like regular citizens that kind of overstep their 
pseudo authority on whatever they think they're supposed to run. People are just very inquisitive here. So it's not the police. The police know who you are because you are a legal resident. You had to go through a lot to get here. Like I'm considered a foreign expert. I had to go through so much paperwork and the government knows all of that information and any police officer who wants to know can just type in whatever system they have and they can read everything about me. So it's never the police. It's always some random person who feels like they need to know why this foreigner is standing in front of them or in their presence. So sometimes- and that's crazy, according to your Instagram, people are looking, people are look, people are stare, people are kind of invade a little bit on your privacy. And I, I say privacy as in just you standing there being black. Exactly. <laughs> I know you've mentioned a couple of times people will just walk up on you and just take photos and that, that that's gotta be that's gotta be tough. I know people in the States always want to be a celebrity of sorts. And you're actually living with the equivalent to that from a sense of the privacy matters. And exactly. that that's gotta be tough. It sucks. People think they wanna be a celebrity and so you're treated like a celebrity. And the kicker is I don't get paid like a celebrity. I mean to some <laughs> maybe <laughs> we do make a lot so it makes it worth it a little bit but no i don't i don't wish that on anyone i don't understand i do understand how celebrities go crazy and how they go on these rants online like i get it every time some celebrity is on twitter going crazy or make on insta live saying i'm like i get it because it's hard everything you do I, you can't even walk out your front door without someone taking a picture of you or following you. It's the strangest things. And it's its usually harmless. It's just curiosity. They've never seen anybody that looks like you before. But that, even that is like frustrating to me because it's 2022. You have a TV. I know that the exactly. internet is blocked in some ways, but there are ways around it. And it's 2022, like your kids. LeBron James you know. is on every TV on the globe. I mean, you've seen black people at some point. LeBron James and Serena Williams are somewhere on the globe somewhere. Steph Curry, Steph, Stephen Curry's picture is in so many places in this city that I'm like, do you not under, like, what part is oh, not registered? And my fellow Brooklynite, uh, Stephon Marbury. Yeah, I know yes. he's in Beijing, but still. Nope, but yeah, his stuff is everywhere. D-Wade is everywhere here. Like, there's so many Black Americans that are represented here, but they don't correlate the two when they see one standing in front of them. And I guess that's the part that's frustrating for me. Have you been able to improve or maybe evolve with your quality of life? Because I think that's the one thing I always think about with a move like that. The closest I've been to China is Alaska. I lived in Alaska in the 80s. That's <laughs> as close wow. as I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> have you been able to really improve on your quality of life or just evolve on it in general? Because I know that there's an eating thing, there's a dietary difference. I know that the foods are probably a little bit more safer in the East as opposed to the, the, the schlop that you're getting in the West. That's actually, a, that's a huge myth too. The food here is terrible. It's so unhealthy. <laughs> it's so unhealthy. That is a huge myth, a terrible misconception. <laughs> Damn. It is. It's filled with oil. Like, it's very difficult uh. to find healthy food unless you're cooking it yourself. Like, I eat a pretty vegetarian diet. I'm pescatarian, but if I'm eating out, I always just say I'm vegetarian because I don't know what might end up in my food if I don't stress the no meat part. 
because they eat all the parts of all the animals and it's always what swimming. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> they eat all Damn. the parts of all the animals and i mean i hear it's delicious i'm not gonna yuck anybody else's yum um no no obviously no 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 not at all it's yeah that is a huge misconception a lot of fried foods a lot of oily foods it is not healthy it is difficult to find healthy food in china (laughs) i I would almost assume that there there are some american brands there like a mcdonald's and things like that it, uh, what is the fascination with American fried foods in these other countries when you know what's coming with these foods? I mean, we barely like eating it in the States. What is the yeah. fascination? Uh, I just don't understand. Me either. Like, <laughs> I, love <laughs> I love some KFC. KFC is probably the most popular Western chain in my city. Um, wow. Yeah, of course, McDonald's <laughs> is here, of course. Um, and that food is very expensive. Like a meal at McDonald's or KFC will be like 15 to 20 US dollars if you did the conversion, where like a meal at a Chinese restaurant would be like one to two dollars. It's so expensive <laughs> in comparison. Yeah. So I think that's part of it too. It's like um, a sign of wealth. Like if you can buy that, then like, oh, you got money. How has it been? as a as a opening as an eye opener to work with these kids and to work with kids who are really learning they're learning things for the first time about a whole nother part of the globe they're, they're seeing someone that they're not used to seeing on a regular basis and and kids are sponges i, I can only imagine some of the things that have been eye openers i don't mean that in a bad way i mean actually in a good way no, yeah, that's definitely one of the bright spots about this is that I know that I'm able to educate them, not just, you know, with them speaking and learning English, but the fact that they get to be around and see what an American is really like, a Black American at that, because they have no idea, especially at that age. I teach kids that are anywhere from two years old to 12. And, you know, some of them, the older ones, maybe they had an American teacher before. They may have even had a Black American teacher, but the more the better for them to just understand we're not aliens like and, and I'm always using that opportunity for them to take that home and educate their grandparents who may be more ignorant or even their own their parents I know when I first came man so much has changed here in a short time in a good way um but there were definitely times when parents would say i don't want i don't want an african teacher and then the the school would be like she's not african she's from the u.s um (laughs) (laughs) what's the problem uh we don't want a black teacher oh you're racist just say that (laughs) just say that okay so yeah, I mean, the, the that attitude has changed tremendously over the last four years and I, I've noticed it and that's a beautiful thing. And that me walking down the street every day is like, there's a black American here. And that, that is also educational. Like I know that I get to educate people no matter what, whether I'm in a classroom or just at a park or whatever. So that part is good. I, I do enjoy that part of it. Has living abroad changed your view on dating? And you don't have to go into detail about that, but just just change your view in general because of what you've dealt with in Colombia and now dealing with China, which is a totally different animal. 
I mean, has it changed or even maybe enhanced your view on dating over the years? That's such a good question. And I never thought about it this way, but it has. It has made me even more team black man. Like <laughs> it's made it so strong that it <laughs> team black man all day, all day. And I've dated men of other cultures. Yes. I've dated men of other cultures, of course, because I feel like, yeah, I mean, you, you got to try it. Why not? And those experiences and just life in general has made me like team super strong black man. And that's it. It's going to be a black man or nothing at all for me at this point. I don't blame you. Um, you've had now there. There are apps there that are different from the states. I believe y'all have Weibo, if I'm not mistaken, correct? There's so many apps here. Yes. <laughs> like every I'm assuming there's no dating apps in China. Oh yeah, there's Tinder. There's regular Tinder. Um, Get out! Wow. Yeah, there's regular Tinder, which of course all the foreigners are on that. But there's also a Chinese version of Tinder called Tantan, and Tan okay. is just like Tinder, but it's just in Chinese. I have not personally used it because I just, as I said, Team Black Man. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a lot of friends who have and I've you know I've looked like swipe through with them they're like well what do you think about this guy and I've you know checked out the platform to see what it's like and for most of my foreign friends that are on it they're like if if you can't speak Chinese then the guy's not interested because they can't speak English but I know people have hooked up from it or whatever and it's it's just like anywhere else Chinese Tinder <laughs> <laughs> what do you what do you want people to learn i know that you have people that are still a little bit indifferent about living abroad and i have a few friends that live abroad and, and you know i've always embraced it i just didn't get a chance to do it what do you want people that are familiar with you and learning via the show in this app and and spotify and blah 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 what do you want people to understand that it's not too bad about living abroad regardless of what continent what country it is the biggest thing i think is that people are afraid to go somewhere not even just live but to go somewhere where they don't speak the language and i moved to both countries i lived in without ever visiting i never visited colombia or china before i decided to move here um and i did not speak spanish or mandarin before i got here and i still have been able to thrive so don't let that be a deterrent for why you don't want to go. Um, especially now, like there's an app for everything. Like just use your phone to translate, like worst case scenario, it's not a big deal. So that's the first thing. Don't let the language be a deterrent. And the second thing is, especially as Americans, I think that all Americans, we just have this sense of fear about everything when America is one of the most dangerous countries in the world. <laughs> Tell me about it. I do a lot of business in Chicago, and when I tell you, I fear Chicago more than I fear other countries. <laughs> I do too. I've been to Chicago once, and I had a good experience. But like, as as a person now on the outside looking in, I get why other countries are like, "Oh my gosh, Americans!" They ask the craziest, "Do you have a gun? Have you ever been shot?" I get why they ask those questions because <laughs> the way that. I get it now because it looks like that from the outside. We live in there. We like, no, like, no, I've never been shot. No, nobody in my family owns a gun. I 
I've shot a gun before, but like, just cause I'm American. Like that's what people do. We go to the gun range sometimes, but America is the most dangerous country in the world. You will be perfectly fine wherever in the world you choose to go, to live abroad, to visit. Nobody's gonna kidnap you unless you are in some sort. Like that question, that used to like, what? Why would they kidnap me? For what? I'm not in the cartel. I'm not, I don't, unless you are in that life, you have nothing to worry about. Like, no. <laughs> Sean Ching, I'm saying that correctly, right? Yes. Sean Ching, is a major city. If it, does it feel like you visited Brooklyn before? You spent a lot of time in Brooklyn before, which is where I'm from. Mm -hmm. Does it have a lot of the same kind of characteristics or the same maybe not principalities? Phase on from from Friday, but <laughs> just a lot of the same, maybe just kind of the same mo a little bit. Not exactly like. Uh... New York in general, Brooklyn, like it's very hustle, hustle mentality. And Chongqing isn't like that at all. There are a lot of people here, like the population of the whole metro area is 30 million, 30 million people, which is unfathomable to my American. Like, yeah, like you you think you know, but you have no, you have no. So idea. essentially like, you're on top of each other at some point commuting. The, exactly. So because of that, I do not commute. I'm very lucky to have a schedule that is outside of the normal commute hours and I refuse to work anywhere that makes me have to adjust to that because I can't. The few times that I've had to be on the metro during rush hour, it is a nightmare. That's the scariest thing that I've ever had to deal with. Yikes. People gotta get where they gotta go and they're gonna get there by any means necessary, whether that's pushing, shoving, your face smashed up against the window. So that, <laughs> yeah, mm. but not so much. Shanghai, Shanghai is more of a New York. Like if we were gonna do direct comparisons, because that city is more like people gotta get to it. They gotta get to the money. They have to get to work. They have to, they have to do a lot. There's a lot of things going on, and it's much more diverse. Like a New York is, where you have different ethnicities. You have different ethnicities that own businesses and things like that. Whereas Chongqing is huge and looks like uh, you know a very nice city technology but i like to refer to this city as a village <laughs> masquerading as a big city the mentality is very village it's very very texas if i'm going to compare it to a place in the states it's very sounds like another city that you used to live in charlotte <laughs> <laughs> no i feel like charlotte is a bit progressive Charlotte is like, you know, Charlotte is a blue city in a red state, you know? Good Charlotte, point. Very good point. So Charlotte is cool. The rest of North Carolina is questionable. Uh, you ain't lying <laughs> about that. You ain't lying. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I'm going to get you out of here, but which of the three words has described you over the past few years with this journey? Redesign, rebuild, reclaim. Mm. And it could be any of the three or, or one of the three. Or, or all three, or any I of think them. redesign resonates the most. Redesign, because I have redesigned my life multiple times. Um, I, if you would have told me 10 years ago that I would be living in China, in Chongqing, a city I never heard of <laughs> before I started this process of moving here, I would have laughed in your face, like, I'm never going to China. What are you talking about? I'm not going to live in China. That's that's crazy. 
So redesign, like from being a hairstylist to a teacher. That's another thing if you would have told me. Both of my parents are educators and I've always said, I'm never going to be a teacher. Never doing that. <laughs> and now I'm doing it. So yeah. <laughs> redesign for sure. And somebody probably needs to redesign their portfolio to come out to China if they want to go ahead and make that move with you. Because I just don't see you coming back to the States. I I don't think it makes any sense. (laughs) I I mean, I I know that we can't predict the future. Us two don't have that answer. Somebody else has that answer and it's not us. But I think it's safe to say you're probably out there for the, at least for the short term, correct? I don't know. I mean, the last few months I've been thinking that this is my last year. I'm trying to wrap it up here. Um, But that could change. I have some ideas of things I want to do that would, it would benefit those ideas if I stayed. But at the same time, because of the current situation, um, I can't visit. I can't come and visit the States. I haven't seen my family in four years. I have not been to the States since I moved here because I didn't know it wouldn't be an option. I was planning to come in 2020 and then... Then this happened, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I haven't mm-hmm. been able... The borders are still closed as far as, like, traveling. So, yeah, I think because of that, if I if I could travel and return, then maybe, maybe I'd stay here longer. But it's looking like this might be the end. <laughs> Shout out to Trevor Diggs, one of my guys I grew up with at Bree Vody. He was a former assistant coach over at UNLV. He also moved over to China and I know he visited his family just when everything was going down or started going down. And he too had the the crazy experience of having to quarantine for, I want to say four, two weeks, an additional extra week of something else. And Well, I didn't experience that. I, I'm one of the very, very few people in China who never really had a real quarantine because when, when that, when it started, I wasn't in China. It happened during Chinese New Year. Um, so I was on vacation, I was traveling. I was in Southeast Asia, I was in Singapore, Malaysia, Cambodia. And when the ish hit the fan, I was like, I'm not coming back. <laughs> oh, I'm about to move to Malaysia. <laughs> Y'all get that under control, okay? I'm over here chilling poolside, sipping margaritas. Like I'm living at, at a hotel until this is over. The only reason I came back is because my job was like, hey, we're going to give you until this day or you're not going to get paid. And I was like, oh, all right. So I came back. And by the time I came back, everything was really calm here. I had to stay inside for like seven days. And then after that, we could go out. So I had a, yeah. I had a very easy uh, time with that part. Your skin looks amazing. Sorry, Spotify users. Your skin looks incredible. You're glowing, you look great, your smile is great, and you look infectious. It is great to have you on, Jessica, I appreciate it. Continue everything, I can't even say continue success because I think it's just everything. Continue everything, and I look forward to watching you on this next journey and living through you wherever you end up. Thank you so much, Chuck, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Redesign, Rebuild, Reclaim, presented by Sweet 929, all guests appear courtesy of Tech We Light. You can catch episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as Sweet929.tv. Chuck Holiday signing off, the three R's. <laughs>